For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to episode six, a bonus episode of the Flying V Anaheim Ducks podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, your number one podcast network in Southern California, the only place for the show for every team in this area and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I am here solo today. Kent is busy. He is attending a wedding in Ontario, not Ontario, California, Ontario, Canada. So it'll be just me. But the good news is I'll be doing our first interview of the podcast with another podcast co-host. That would be Eddie Jones of the Forever Mighty podcast, a very popular Ducks podcast that is uh, based partially in California and partially in Ontario, Canada, believe it or not. So my interview with Eddie, uh, we go over some uh, some things from this season, where he thinks the Ducks are, where what his prognosis is for the season, and uh, his favorite Ducks player of all time. We also learn how he became a Ducks fan growing up in London, Ontario. So there you go. And uh, and before we get the interview started, you can follow the Forever Mighty podcast on Twitter. That's at Forever Mighty FM. Uh, that's their Twitter handle. Uh, you can also follow Eddie at Eddie Van Jones. That's at E-D-D-Y Van Jones on Twitter. And then you can go to ForeverMighty.com and they stream all of their podcasts on Twitch, I believe. And uh, you can find the links directly to that on their Twitter. So let's throw it over to the interview with Eddie. Awesome. So let's get things started. Uh, um, first, I was always curious, uh, you, it says on your bio, you're, you live in London, Ontario. So how, how did you become a Ducks fan in Leafs country? <laughs> uh, it, it's a tough question. I feel like it was the movies. Like, I feel like that's a cliche answer, but I feel like it was the movies because I'm looking back, like those are some of the first movies that I've watched, uh, like hockey movies and then kind of just stuck with it. I feel like, like I got into watching hockey and you don't get to watch too many Ducks games out here and uh, the real long run the first run that I was able to actually watch a lot of Ducks games were um, was the 03 Cup run against New Jersey that was the first time I actually got to really take in a lot of games right because during the regular season it was you know, before you could stream games online it was Toronto, Montreal Saturday Night Live Hockey uh, you know, Don Cherry on, on Saturday Night and Sometimes you get the Ducks like once a year, if you're lucky that they would play one of those teams, you'd be able to watch it. Uh, I don't know how I stuck with it, but uh, my, you know, my dad was a Habs fan, my mom's a Habs fan, and uh, <laughs> somehow I ended up with the Ducks and I was stuck with it. So. Wow, so that's actually a whole a house completely divided. In, in Ontario, your parents are uh, Canadians fans and you're a Ducks fan, and I imagine back then... Uh, with the way the TV networks work, that the Ducks weren't quite like a popular, uh, a popular attraction to show on national television in Canada. Yeah, it's hard to even find them now. Uh, you, you get it more often, but you know, still, it's Leafs, Sens, 
you know, Winnipeg sometimes, uh, Montreal, those are the games that you get on TV. And uh, Ducks only come up here and play Toronto once, so maybe you get it when Toronto goes down to Anaheim, maybe you get the, the Ducks on TV when they come up and play Toronto. Usually that's the one or two games you get, and then sometimes you get those uh, a nice word slow you get that primetime game where the Ducks are playing, like let's say Vancouver or Chicago at you know at ten o'clock, and it's the only game or the best game was the ten o'clock game, so it still comes on. So it's a bit better now, but yeah, back then you, you barely got it. I don't even remember how many Ducks games I could actually watch. It was mostly you know you catch the highlights online the next day, or you watch you know Sports Center, you catch the highlights that, that way. That was usually how I caught to the games, and I would just find out the scores. And did your friends, like, growing up ever give you a hard time? Like, well, why are you a Ducks fan, man? Like, what, how, how'd that happen? Did you, did you ever – and I'm sure you gave it right back to them when the Ducks – I mean, the Ducks have won pretty recently compared to the Leafs. Yeah, I had a, a buddy who was a Sens fan. And uh, back in 07, we went to his house. He had a um, projector screen up for the Stanley Cup final. So that was a little bit of sweet revenge because he, he used to give it to me back then. Because the Sens were, the Sens were a good team back then. So, uh, you know, Alfie and Spence and Heatley. So he used to give it to me. He used to tell me that the, the Ducks were going to have no chance in, in that Stanley Cup final. So that was nice. But uh, well, one of my other buddies was a Florida Panthers fan, so he couldn't really say anything. So it wasn't like, uh, I don't know, it was weird. I, I, it, you know, a lot of Leafs fans here, of course. I guess you could say probably about 90% of people here are the Leafs or Habs or Sens fans. But uh, somehow... I'm a Ducks fan, and I grew up with a buddy who was a Panthers fan. So I don't know, whatever, whatever's in London, Ontario. I guess uh, you know maybe it's the Knights and some of the players going on to to the NHL. Uh, you kind of follow them that way. But uh, yeah, it was uh, definitely interesting. That's a good point. You definitely have like a, a new or a different way than a lot of people in the United States of of kind of tacking on to different teams because you've got the major junior and you've got a lot of guys from those areas like who grew up there playing in the NHL. So I could see that for sure. That's that's cool. Um, how did you link up with uh, Patrick Mahoney and Jason Lamb for your podcast? Uh, were they friends of yours growing up, or did you just meet them uh, online? How, how did that come down? Yeah, so it, that was kind of interesting, the way that all got started. Uh, originally, before I, I, with Forever Mighty and that podcast now, uh, I wanted to get into writing back in the day, and I was looking at different places, and, and this was probably... I would have to say six or seven years ago now, if not a little bit more. Uh, not as many places available as there are now. And, and the first kind of place I stumbled upon was uh, Ducks and Pucks. And uh, with Mike Walters over there, and I started writing there. And then I kind of always wanted to do a podcast. And uh, I reached out to him and said, hey, like, you know, do you want to try and set up a podcast? There's not many out there. I think at the, t- at the time, the only one out there was uh, And I'm Calling. And, that, and I think they had just started. And this is the... The previous iteration, uh, not uh, Felix and, and Jake now, it was the two guys who were running it before. So it, there really wasn't much going on in, in the way of Ducks blogs and Ducks podcasts. So I set it up that way. And then Pat and Jason had their own podcast where they covered the NHL. And they'd been going, I think they had been going at least a couple of years before I even started that. And it's called The Puck Guys. And we had them on as a guest a couple of times. They followed our show because they, they covered the NHL, but they kind of had a uh, you know west coast bias is what they called it <laughs> so i had met him that way coming on the show and being a guest at our show a couple times and then this was before we started forever mighty we were talking about doing a post game show because you know we cover the ducks on a weekly basis but we feel like we'd see some other teams were doing post game shows some other blogs were doing post game shows and that just felt like a better way 
to engage not with just the readers of the blog but with the fans on, on a more regular basis and talk about the team more regularly than a week. Because sometimes when you get uh, on a weekly show, right, like you, you, you kind of miss some things, right? You miss some news. And we felt as a blog, you know, we record and then the Ducks would trade somebody or somebody would get hurt. Then we'd have to wait a week later uh, to talk about it, even though we would be putting content on the blog. So we decided to do a post-game show. Mike couldn't make it work with the, the time schedule we had, so I reached out to Pat. I knew he had done a podcast. I knew he would, it was a great host for the show, and kind of just started that way. And then, you know, I started a relationship, met him. Jason joined about halfway through uh, the, the first iteration of the show, and the rest is history. Are those guys both, and it seems like from reading their bio, or at least one of them is, right? Yeah, yeah, they, they're both uh, born and raised their Ducks fans from the beginning. Their, their story's a little bit uh, easier to understand why they're Ducks fans uh, than, than I am. But, yeah, yeah, both of them both of them live in, in Southern California. Absolutely. Hey, the wonder of the Internet, right? You can connect with people from all over the world. That's pretty cool. Um, so let's get to the Ducks. They're already on their, uh, what, three games into their road trip now. They're 2-3, and three, uh, just coming off of a win over Columbus. And then two games before that, it went over Detroit and sandwiched a loss to Pittsburgh in between. What's your prognosis so far for the team? I mean, I think they, they look pretty good. Yeah, you, you know, last year we went into the season and there was kind of this false hope that the Ducks were going to play faster. We heard it from Bob Murray. We heard it kind of from Randy Carlisle. And the census was that they were going to be a faster team. And obviously we, we kind of know how that finished and how that really didn't come to be. Uh, but you look at it this year and, and there's a noticeable change with Dallas Higgins behind the bench. The transition from the back end is a lot faster, a lot cleaner. Uh, goal scoring so far, still a little bit of an issue. Uh, but the play is just better. You know, the goaltending is still there. John Gibson has been great. Ryan Miller, his first start uh, last night, was excellent as well. Uh, and, but the, just the defense in front of him, I think, is a, a big step up. They're a little more organized. And like I said, the transition from the back is a lot cleaner and a lot faster. And I think once these guys, and especially the Fords, get used to Dallas taking the system a little bit more, I, I think the goals are going to come. Maybe not you know, at a rate where it's going to put them in the top half of the league, but I think it's going to get better, and I think it's just an exciting team to watch this year. It's a lot more fun than last year. Absolutely, and uh, to your point on the defense, I mean, uh, they're giving up a lot of shots still, but you can tell they're coming more. When, they're, when they've got it together, they're coming more from the outside, like from the perimeter, which I think makes a huge difference for Gibson as well, just like keeping him a little fresher, and he, he looks great this season. Um, you mentioned the scoring kind of problems that they still have. Uh, how much of that concerns you in terms of the, the young players? Like, uh, um, Comtois just got into the lineup, I believe, last night, but then Jones and Jones and uh, um, Terry have been playing uh, pretty regularly and Steele's injured, but, I mean, between the four of them, I think Jones only has one assist and that's it. Do you think, are you concerned a little bit or do you think it's too early to worry or uh, well, what's your feeling about that? I, I'm a li- I think I'm a little bit concerned Um uh, it kind of all depends on how optimistic you were about their production to the season. I think a lot of people across the board had different expectations for them. I think on the high end, you know, you were hoping that Jones and Comtois Terry could, you know, scratch the surface on 20 goals and Sam Steele playing with Raquel and Silverberg could maybe hit 40, 50 points. Obviously, we haven't seen Steele that much this season at all. But, yeah, I, I, I'm a little bit concerned about Troy Terry because I think out of all of them, maybe except Sam Steele, I thought he's the guy who was going to get the best opportunity, probably playing top six minutes like he has been so far, I guess, except for the last game. 
and he just hasn't taken that step forward. You know, Maxine Comtois came in for the first game last night, uh, and he looked okay. wasn't spectacular. You know, he used his physicality, which is a big part of his game. Uh, but offensively, you get a big opportunity to play with Getzlaff and Kasha right uh, last night, and it didn't look too great. Max Jones getting a scratch, and, and he's the only one to put up a point uh, of those rookies so far. I would assume one of them gets sent back down once Sam Steele comes back into the lineup, uh, along with Isaac Lindstrom. But uh, it's not the best start, but I don't think there's cause for concern yet. We're five games into the season. They haven't played in every single game yet. I think if we're looking, you know, game 25, game 30, and these guys still only have a couple of points across the, the few of them, then I think there's a little bit of worry here because the only way the Ducks offense gets better this year is if we have some rebound seasons from Raquel and, and Kasha and uh, the, the kids can step up. That's a, that's a big part of the Ducks offense getting better this year. Absolutely, and I think one of the one of the, the upsides, I think, to Terry that I've seen through Terry and Jones, even though they haven't contributed much in the way of points, have you, have you noticed how good they are at forechecking? Like Terry, those two, especially yeah. when they're playing together, it's like suffocating. Terry usually is the... Uh, forward off the puck and Jones kind of goes in there and, and, and bangs the puck carrier and they they just give other teams fits at least what I've seen so far they're relentless which is really nice to see you, you don't see that all the time uh, maybe more often now with some of the younger guys coming in uh, but their work off the puck is something that you really can't teach and it shows how much these guys want to be here and, and I think you know we've seen it a bit more than last year but they've always kind of had this especially Max Jones uh, we talk about Andre Kasha being kind of an energizer bunny and how he's always getting things going offensively. Max Jones is kind of exactly the same, not just on the puck, but off the puck. Like, he's always doing something. He's always forechecking. He's always putting pressure on the opposing defense. And, and Troy Terry's starting to become the same. And you know maybe it's because we, these guys that seem to be inseparable. I mean, we saw them show up at the orange carpet wearing uh, matching top hats. It seems <laughs> like they're getting along pretty well, but. Yeah, I, I like it. I like it. And, and, you know, the Ducks are playing some high-vent hockey this year, so having guys like that in the lab that can put pressure on the opposing defense is important. Absolutely agree. Do you have someone on the Ducks besides Gibson, I think, because he's the obvious answer, that, that it's your X factor, that, like, they, you think if they have a great season, the Ducks are in, are in excellent shape? Yeah, I think for me it's, Sam Steele. I, I think he was kind of my, my dark horse this year a bit because the, the Ducks are transitioning at center. When you look at Ryan Getzlaff, he's going to play less minutes this year. Uh, and it all depends if uh, you know Adam Henrique and Sam Steele, who was going to get that, uh, I guess you could say, 2C job. And it seems like that job, at least until Sam Steele got injured, was going to steal because he's playing with two of the Ducks' best wingers in Raquel and Silverberg. And, you know, you could say maybe the vote goes to Raquel if he has a bounce-back year. That's very important. Or if Andre Kasha can stay healthy. But I think, it, you know, the X factor for the Ducks is, is Sam Steele staying with that line, developing some chemistry. And, you know, on the, on the plus side, uh, on the, you know, the highest ceiling for him for this year would be putting out, you know, 40 or 50 points, uh, 20 goals, you know, 30 assists, something around that. And kind of helping Silverberg have a good year and helping Raquel have a bounce-back season. Uh, I think if he can do that, the Ducks have a good shot at having you know, one or two or even three lines that are capable of putting up points. I agree with you there, especially with Steele being a centerman and, and Getzlav kind of aging. It's a lot more responsibility on those guys. I also think Kasha, you mentioned him staying healthy. We've seen pretty a pretty 
uh, positive uh, production from him in the first few games. He looks like a wrecking ball. You mentioned a ball of energy, but I, I mean, I think he is a, a, also a vital is vital to the Ducks' offense because he looks like a spark plug in there. I think. Yeah, last night uh, on the goal that he, I, I guess it was the Cam Fowler goal. He essentially created that goal himself because you saw the Columbus Blue Jackets defense just kind of sat off. Uh, Fowler and, and Getzloff, really, I don't think they were expecting Kasha to pick up the puck with that much steam and get that quickly up the ice. I think he was you know, the only one with some commitment on that play. And, you know, Fowler and Getzloff watched Kasha grab that puck in the middle of the ice and take it up, up to the opposing blue line. And they get up in the play, and it creates a three-on-two for the Ducks and ends up obviously leading to a scoring chance. But you know, Andre Kasha is eventually going to put the puck in the back of the net. But just the fact that you know, he was so willing to get up in that play and, and get something going. I think he really fits into what Dallas Akins wants to do this year. Andre Kasha, if, if anybody's going to succeed in a high event type of hockey, you know, a rush, a rush scoring team, it's going to be a guy like Andre Kasha. So I, I think he's primed to have a breakout year. I know a lot of people have him near the top of their list, not just Ducks fans or, or anybody who writes about the Ducks. There's, there's a lot of people across the NHL who think he's going to have a breakout season for a good reason. All right, now let's. This might be too early. Let's take a an extended look out. What, what, I, so I might have. Uh, I, I you've probably mentioned this on 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 your Forever Mighty podcast. What what do you think they? How do you think they end up? Are they a bubble team just out of the playoffs? Are they a playoff team? Do they? What's your uh, what's your final prediction? I guess. Yeah, it, we did a, a Pacific Division preview, and, and it's hard to not catch some bias when, when you're talking about the Ducks as the only team you cover. But I, I feel like they're a bubble team. I, I, you know, obviously the season has started, and, and you know, the, the, one of the teams I picked to be top of the division, the Sharks, haven't started that well. But I think they'll pull it around and, and rebound. And, and you know, Vegas was the other team. Those were the two teams I kind of pegged to be at the top of the division. And then after that, you know, Calgary. I don't know if they're going to have the same type of season. I think they're due for a little bit of a regression. You know, up front, they're probably still a little bit better than the Ducks are. Uh, Vancouver's gotten better. Arizona's gotten better. Edmonton started the season very well. But I think the Ducks are going to be right in the mix with those teams. I think they have the best goaltender of the bunch, which is obviously going to help a lot. Uh, good coaches come in, and obviously the system is a lot cleaner from the back end. And I think the goals will come. I don't think they're going to come, you know, like I said, in, in a, maybe a top 15 pace. But last year they were dead last. So if you get some improvement, you may be in the bottom third and you're sitting around 20, 21 uh, in goals for per game at the end of the year. That's a big improvement for the Ducks. And I think it can get them a playoff spot. It's going to be tough. It's a tough division in the sense that it's kind of wide open. So they're going to have to continue playing like this all year. But good start through the first five games to make it there. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, I had kind of a similar um, kind of bent one on my on my prediction beginning of the season that that if they can increase their scoring, and I looked at it more of like a you did goals per game, which is a, is a smart way to look at it. And I did just goals overall, kind of try to do a quick and dirty like um, total goals scored for the team. And I think I think if Kasha does stay healthy the whole season, and one of the one of the young players. Can get can get approach fifteen goals and there isn't too much regression elsewhere and 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 Raquel actually have a have a bounce back season I think I think you're right I think they can they can push for a playoff spot and we'll be on the bubble but I, I think I, I mean I'm kind of surprised I remember listening to that podcast your preview podcast and uh, uh, you guys was it you or was it one of your uh, uh, co-hosts that was just crushing the flames like just absolutely like. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was 
was me. It might have been me. Uh, we were tough on the Flames on that show. Uh, I still, I still see. I picked them last year to win the Pacific Division, and Pat can't get over that because he thought they were going to be horrible, and I, I picked them to win the division, and they won. So I guess I was a little bit harsh on them this year because I think they're they're going to have a bit of a regression, uh, and that is going to be tough for them, but. Yeah, man, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think they're as good as, as uh, San Jose and Vegas. So I might, I, maybe it was a little bit too harsh on them. <laughs> my, uh, well, my version of the of, of the Flames for you is the Sharks. I think I think they're going to have a significant drop off. I don't. I, I'm not a huge yeah. fan of their goaltending, and I think they're getting older. And I just have a buy. I mean, I've kind of got a personal bias against the Sharks. I don't know why. <laughs> I've never really liked them. Which is, I know Kent's not here. Kent couldn't uh, couldn't make it uh, to this particular interview. He's a, he's a former Shark as well as a former Duck. So I don't I don't want to step on his toes too much. But I don't know why. I, even growing up on the East Coast, I I never really liked the Sharks. It might be that. Uh, I'll, I'll be a little honest here. I grew up a Bruins fan, so that they fleeced the Bruins with that trade for Thornton way back when. So yeah. that may be still running in my veins. But even coming coming over to the West Coast and covering West Coast hockey and the Ducks, I still don't like the Sharks. So maybe that's the bias in me thinking like, oh, these guys are. Uh, I just hope they don't make it. But I honestly think that they're. If there's a team that drops out of the playoffs picture in the in the Pacific Division, it'll be the Sharks. And I think the Ducks, if they haven't if they overachieve a little bit, can can challenge for that third spot in the Pacific because I think the two wild card spots are going to the central team. So uh yeah, let's wrap this up. I want to know who's your all time favorite duck and why? Yeah, this one this one's easy. And I feel like if you ask anybody this, there's usually two guys, right? It's it's Paul Korea and Timo Solani, but but for me it's it's always been Paul Korea. Back in the day, my, my first jersey was Paul Korea jersey. And, you know, going back and, and, and watching the Ducks at the time that I did, it was all about Paul Korea, right? Like, obviously, Tamu was still there, uh, but he ended up moving on and then coming back. And just Paul was the guy that was there when I really first started watching hockey. And, and you know, you could ask a million people why Paul Korea was their favorite player, and, uh, and there's a million different answers. But I, I just love the way he played. And uh, you know just the effort that he gave, and and, and just the fact that you know at, at the time he's just a, just so good, just one of the best players in the league, and one of the most underrated players in the league too. When you look at what he was able to do, and then you know, his run through the O3 playoffs, uh, I think made me a fan for life. What he was able to do in that series, and you know I, I was among one of the people. I was a little bit young at the time to to be critical of Paul Korea for leaving. I think when he left, I was still only about seven or eight, maybe, maybe nine. So. I wasn't uh, as tuned into hockey as I was now. I didn't, you know, get 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 maybe why he was leaving. That that was kind of beyond my comprehension at that point. So I don't really have that hatred to him for leaving. I just feel bad for the guy not being able to finish his career the way he wanted to. The fact that he had to go out with concussions, and I'm just so happy that he was able to come back for this organization and have his jersey retired and and actually just you know be a part of the team uh, in some capacity. That was great to see last year when they retired his jersey. Yeah, and it was kind of it felt like kind of like a cathartic moment. Like everybody's kind of letting everything go, and and he's yeah. finally kind of back where he belongs. I think that that's a that's a pretty cool uh, a pretty cool thing to have happen. Well, I, I think that'll do it. Thanks, Eddie, for coming on the podcast. You want to. Uh, and for those of you listening, it's Eddie Jones for the Forever Mighty Podcast. Andy writes for the Ducks on the Hockey Writers. He and I are co-contributors for the Ducks there. Uh, Eddie, you want to give them your social media? 
Yeah, uh, you can follow me at Eddie Van Jones on Twitter, and you can follow the podcast at Forever Mighty FM on Twitter as well. Uh, we have Instagram and, and stuff too, but uh, mainly everything goes through our Twitter. But yeah, thanks, Anthony, for having me on the show. It's great. We got to have you on the on the podcast sometime too. I know it's a bit more difficult to set up because we have a post game thing, but uh, we definitely got to have you on the show as well. Oh yeah, I'd love to do it. Just uh, just let me know, and I'll I'll make it happen. It was it was good talking to you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Talk to you later. See ya. That was a great interview with Eddie Jones of the Forever Mighty podcast. Very informative of uh, how he got his podcasting career started and just his insight on the Ducks, which is what he loves to talk about. Uh, And I think we all love to hear. So obviously that'll do it. If you enjoy our show, please subscribe and rate it on iTunes. We're also available on your favorite podcast directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts on your social accounts. And you can find me on Twitter at DeliTweets, that's D. E-L-L-I tweets or on Instagram at Deli Meat. That's D-E-L-L-I-M-E-E, excuse me, M-E-A-T. Got to figure out how to spell meat there for a second. Um, Yep, so that'll do it. We'll bring you another episode with me and Kent coming up very soon. Talk to you later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.